What's up, friends and neighbors? Welcome to the Book of John, the podcast companion to all my writing. And now, please turn in your books to chapter 41. Enoch and the Shrieking Dead. It's my beloved daughter's birthday weekend, and as I didn't plan very well around all the birthday chaos, my regular-ass newsletter ain't ready yet. So I'm going to sub next week's short fiction in this week and the regular column next week, and it'll be so seamless you'll never notice the difference. But also, it's another Weird West Enoch story read by Craig Seckler, so really, it's kind of like it's your birthday. You're welcome. Enoch and the Shrieking Dead by John Patrick Nelson We was in the schoolhouse when they come, on account of it were a school day. Not including Miss Foster, who's our teacher. It was six of us, what with me, Katie, who was 12, and the little ones. I was oldest in our class, even though my ma didn't like that I was going to school, because she thought that all a man needed in this world was a strong back, good hands, and a Bible. And I should have been home working the dirt with Pa. The pa had told her that a man who breaks his back all his life and stays poor ain't no kind of man at all. And a man with a brain could make it rich in America without sweat dribbling down his ass crack. Then Ma had threatened to hit him on account of the Bible says you ain't supposed to say ass crack. Even though when I asked her where that got said, she clouded me on the ear. There had been no sun for a week or more and the sky had been dark with red clouds, which we first thought was a good thing, us being in a drought and all. And Ma and Pa had prayed hard for a good rain to come and save us, but the clouds didn't make no rain. They just hung there in the sky, all dark and swollen, like big wet flies hovering over a juicy turd. And it was hot. Hot like the sun was still out, but instead of burning down on us, it was like when a fire gets loose in a room with no windows. Like a suffocating hot where you're afraid if you stay in too long, you're like to choke to death. We was learning our sums. I'd already been through the whole sums book. We only had us the one. The same one Miss Foster had brought with her on the train all them years ago back when I was a little in myself. And on account of I'd been in school the longest, I'd been through the book once or twice and knew my sums pretty good. So usually Miss Foster let me read to myself while she went through the times tables with the little ones. I was paging through a dime novel my pa had bought me about a gunslinger who rescued a lady from a bunch of frontier savages. And not thinking on much, when suddenly... There was a giant crack of thunder. But not like usually, when you hear it coming a few miles away, it just boomed above us. The biggest noise I think any of us had ever heard. A couple of the little ones started crying, and Miss Foster told them there weren't nothing to worry about. And I was about to get back to my dime novel. But then there came another giant crack from the sky like the Lord himself pronouncing judgment. The rest of the little ones was crying and chattering, and even Katie looked scared at that one. I weren't all that scared. Well, I was, but my ma always said a man showing fear is unseemly. 
My dad would mutter that was hogwash. Everybody gets scared from time to time, but he never said it loud enough that she heard it. Anyway, I put my book down and went to the window. The clouds were so thick that it was like nighttime. I'd never seen anything like it. It was like the sun had just been choked out of the sky. Micah, I heard Miss Foster say, and it broke me out of my trance. Yes'm. Would you mind boarding up the windows, please? It seems we might be in for a storm. Yes'm, I said, and started shutting and sliding the bolts on the windows. Hoped it wasn't going to rain too bad. I had a five-mile walk back home. I got to the last window and was pulling it shut when I looked out and saw a horse riding toward the schoolhouse. At first, I thought it were riderless. All I saw was the horse ripping up earth as it raced toward us. But my long shooting eyes was pretty good, and as the horse got closer, I saw there was a man in the saddle, hunched over, knocked out. Maybe dead, I thought, and a chill ran down my back. Miss Foster, ma'am, I said, my voice smaller than a minute. What's wrong, Micah? I pointed out the window, still keeping my eyes on the horse. There's somebody coming. She narrowed her eyes. A man? I squinted. I think so. He looks hurt. Maybe dead, I thought again, but I didn't say it on account of I didn't want to scare the little ones. Now, Miss Foster was just about the prettiest lady I'd ever seen. Small, delicate, white-faced, and blonde like a little doll. All the moms of the town called her a real beauty and joked about how they had to lock up their menfolk whenever she was around. And some didn't joke about it and warned their men they best not let no wandering eye light on her. I'd have kind of fallen in love with her when I was a little one, and even though I'd sort of noticed Katie getting prettier lately, like the stories say, you don't forget your first true love. All this is to say, if you was to look on Miss Foster, you'd think she was an angel from heaven, and if you were to touch her too hard, she might break which is why it's always surprising to watch when she pulled the rifle from off the wall and swing it around to shooting level, her arm wrapped snug in the strap, all in one quick move. I'd seen her do it a couple times before, once a couple years ago when a grizzly wandered right up to the schoolhouse, nuzzling the doors, looking for food. She didn't end up shooting the bear, which I was a little disappointed by. Other time... It was when little Eli's ma was coming up the road with a pitchfork in her hands, yelling that she was going to smite Miss Foster like the whore of Babylon she was, calling her a witch who entranced her husband and all such manner of nonsense. Miss Foster had shot Eli's ma, not to kill her, just enough to bleed some sense back into her. I guess it worked. "'cause she dropped her pitchfork and stood there a minute "'grabbing her arm where Miss Foster had tagged her "'and then started running. "'My Paul laughed when he heard about it, "'said neither one of Eli's folks "'was what you'd call sensible people, "'and both of them could probably use the shooting. 
<laughs> my ma just crossed herself and demanded my pa stop flapping blasphemies. Love my ma, but she weren't exactly be gifted with a sense of humor. Miss Foster held the rifle steady at eye level. Lock the door, Micah, she said, real calm, which scared me a little. Because when the ladies are calm when shooting's about to start, you know it's bad serious. I bolted the last window, shot the bolt in the big double doors at the front of school where the horse was riding towards, and peeked through the shooting hole. The horse rode up to the front of the school with a neigh that sounded practically like a screech, reared up on his back legs, dumping its rider to the ground. The man didn't stir. I couldn't tell if he is dead or alive, but I gasped when I saw what he was wearing. Miss Foster, he's a preacher man, got a collar and all. Miss Foster lowered the rifle a little. She had a look on her face I took for puzzlement. I think maybe she was thinking on what to do, whether to leave him outside or bring him in. Another crack came from the clouds above, louder than before. Finally, she said, open the door. I slid the bolt out and pushed the doors open. Me and Katie ran over to the preacher man on the ground. Be careful, Miss Foster yelled, the gun back up at shooting level. Don't get too close. Even though he looked maybe dead, we stood out of the preacher man's reach, which was considerable. He was the biggest man I'd ever seen. My own pa is a big man, and I'm getting plenty tall myself, but the preacher man made us both look like babies. He'd taken a terrible beating, but it was hard to tell when. His face was a mess of bloody cuts, but there were plenty of scars underneath, and his right hand looked like it had been ripped up by an animal and healed poorly. He was bleeding from somewhere. Lots of places, actually, but I couldn't tell looking at him how bad it was. I couldn't see him breathing. Miss Foster came up slowly behind us, the rifle still pointed at the preacher man. Oh, my Lord, she whispered, seeing him. She put a hand gently on my back. Micah, get to town and tell Dr. Pelty to come quickly. Yes, am I said, and started to run down the path. I hadn't taken but two steps, and I tried to stay as far from the preacher man as I could without looking like a baby, but when his desiccated hand grabbed my ankle, I screamed like a girl, falling to my knees, scraping my hands in the dirt. He looked at me through swollen eyes. Boy, he said in a gravelly voice, don't take another step. I gasped, terrified he's going to kill me. For that one moment, I feared there's nothing betwixt me and the fires of hell. And then the barrel of Miss Foster's rifle was against his head. Release him, sir, she said, or I will send you to your maker. And I swear, in that moment... I saw a will that I'd never seen before or since. 
I seen men square off with pistols a few times, and even the bravest of them, their eyes always betray them the least a little, showing the fear, or showing crazy. The preacher man's eyes didn't show no fear, and I didn't see crazy in them, or at least didn't seem like crazy. His eyes only slightly shifted toward the gun barrel. He cocked an eyebrow, almost like it were a joke. Then his eyes lit on me again. Don't run, he said in that same gravel. I gulped. For a moment, I thought he was going to kill me, no matter what Miss Foster threatened. But his shredded hand opened with what looked like a fair bit of pain. I pulled my foot away and scooched back on my rear out of his reach. The preacher man pulled himself up to sitting, held both hands up. I mean no harm, he said. But you and your charges are in danger, miss. Miss Foster held the rifle on him. From what? Bandits? Not precisely. Well, what then? Get the children inside. We'll discuss it then. She thought a moment, then nodded to me and Katie. I stood up, started to move in a wide circle around him. His hands were still up, and his eyes stayed on Miss Foster as he said, Mind taking my horse in with you, son? I looked at Miss Foster. She clucked. A horse has no place in a schoolroom, she said. Ma'am, he said, I don't mean to debate you in your kingdom, but it wouldn't be kind to keep her out here in the coming storm. No, sir, she said. I don't want her messing all over my floor. Ma'am, he said, his voice colder. If you leave her out here, she will die cruelly and brutally. The creatures that follow me have no mercy nor remorse, and they will explode her bloody insides while you watch. And I will not allow that. Miss Foster's eyes widened and the color drained from her cheeks. I couldn't tell, but she seemed uncertain what to do next. Then the preacher man slowly lowered his hands and once again spoke gently. The Lord shines favor on those who show mercy to lower creatures. A righteous man regards the needs of his beast. She nodded. Proverbs a little mess on your floor is a small price to pay for her life, he said. She nodded, looking a little ashamed. Katie, take the horse inside, but be careful and make sure to tie her somewhere secure so she doesn't run wild and trample the little ones. The preacher man nodded. Wise. Katie took the horse's reins and I patted her gently, like my pa had taught me, to show her we were friends. Katie had been around horses all her life, like most of us, and the horse had calmed by then, letting Katie lead her inside. I looked back at the preacher man and Miss Foster. She'd lowered the gun so it 
wasn't pointed right at him, but she still had her finger on the trigger. Are you a true man of God? She asked him. I try to be, he said, though I admit my practice is uh, somewhat erratic. That's no kind of answer. He slumped a little. For a moment, I'd forgotten how beat up he was. He carried himself so strong. But I could see it now. He was torn up badly, and his strength was fading. Ma'am, we have no time for niceties. If you would allow me to, to join you inside, and if we survive what's coming, I swear I'll answer whatever questions you have. Please. She nodded lowered the gun, and started walking up the schoolhouse steps. The preacher man didn't move. He looked so drained and so beaten, even the effort to stand was too much. I was about to say something when another crack ripped over our heads, the loudest yet, as water burst down from the heavens. Hot little drops that stung as they hit. The horse started stomping inside the schoolhouse, and I heard Katie cry out a little. I started to run inside when I looked up at the horizon, and I saw dozens of little black shapes coming toward us. From a distance, they looked like riders, but they were moving fast, faster than horses, much too fast. And... I realized, as I heard it getting louder, they were shrieking. The preacher man cranked his head around with some effort, saw him coming. Get me inside, boy, he said calmly. I stood frozen to the spot, my heart pounding. I didn't know what to do, if I should run inside or just run and never look back. The shapes were already much closer, moving so fast. The preacher man turned back to me, fire blazing in his eyes. Now! The next thing I knew, I was kneeling by him, helping him to his feet. He weighed almost as much as his horse felt like, and I could feel slabs of muscle under his jacket. I shifted his arm to get it around my neck, and his coat fell open showing a pair of pistols at his side, the biggest I'd ever seen. You've seen iron before, boy. Now stop gaping and move, he growled. I moved, stumbling up the steps, trying to keep him from falling. The rain felt like little jabs from a knife, and we was already soaked, and the shrieking was loud now, louder than the storm. I looked to see, and they were close. I almost slipped on the top step, and for a second I felt his muscles tighten as he felt us about to go. Then I caught the rail and pulled us up. So hard we flew through the door and stumbled onto the floor. He cried out. Must have landed on some wound or tender spot, but he was so covered with him it could have been anywhere on him. I spun onto my back, and the creatures was almost at the schoolhouse. I saw them for true. They looked like men, but with no skin, just the bones underneath, and black, like they was rotted clear through. 
and something clung to the bones, not flesh or guts, but something foul and alive. And the shrieks were so loud, I thought my ears might bleed. I might go deaf. And I clapped my hands over them and started praying as fast as I could because they were moving so fast and there were so many of them. They were sure to rip me apart. And then I heard the crash of the guns and two of the things flew apart, exploding black gore on the steps of the schoolhouse. And the shrieking grew louder. The preacher man, he pulled his guns from his belt and was firing into him. Close the doors, he yelled, and Miss Foster and Katie each took the door and slammed them shut, and Miss Foster shot the bolt through. The creatures outside hammered at the doors. Miss Foster pulled me up. See to the others, she said. I nodded, and I went over to where the little ones were all packed together in the corner, crying and hugging each other. It's okay, it's okay, I said, but the pounding was scaring them something awful. I couldn't blame them, because I was near to wetting myself. It was coming from everywhere now, the doors, the windows, even the roof. I knew they'd been real proud of the schoolhouse when they built it, made out of the strongest and finest wood they could find. But now it seemed like a little pig's house of straw. Those things had cracked their way through it soon, I had no doubt. I saw Miss Foster help the preacher man to his feet. What are they? She asked him in a low voice. He shook his head. No notion, ma'am, he said. Now, get yourself and the children to the middle of the schoolhouse and put up a barrier if you can. He limped to the bolted doors cautiously eyeing the shooting hole. I don't know what he saw through it, but he slowly raised one of his guns to the hole. He slid the barrel through and pulled the trigger. Another explosion, and the shrieks got so loud a few of the little ones started screaming themselves. Miss Foster waved to us, and Katie and I herded the little ones to the middle of the room, pushing desks into a circle round them. Miss Foster joined them in the center, her rifle in her hands. The little ones all squeezed as tight to her as they could get. Katie and I slid the last couple of desks over to cover the last open spot in the circle. And I said to her, Go ahead. Go be with them. I'll try to help the preacher man. Katie looked at me then, and I could see she was scared. It's okay, I said, trying to sound like I weren't about to mess my britches. We'll be okay, I promise. And if the day hadn't been filled with enough surprises, Katie leaned in and kissed me right on the lips. I can tell you, I'd experienced a whole rainbow of emotions in the last hour I'd never felt before. From a bottomless fear to a surge of jittery excitement, and here was yet another one. My whole body went warm, and for a second, everything was tangling. Then Katie dove in with the rest, and I woke back up and slid the desks into the open spot, closing the circle. The shrieking and pounding came back to my ears, and my heart began to pound along with it. I ran over to the preacher man's side. 
He was still firing through the shooting hole, but the shrieks weren't getting louder, so I figured he wasn't killing any more of them. He saw me next to him, handed me one of his irons and unfastened his gun belt, handing it to me as well. Reload, he said. I knelt, cracked open his pistol, dumped the empties on the floor. I pushed the bullet from his gun loop. I saw something on the bullet, a cross carved in the tip. I looked at the belt. Each of the bullets jammed in the loop had the same cross. Make some more holy, the preacher man said, making me jump. I looked up at him. And uh, perhaps coincidentally, more dangerous. I nodded, pretending I knew what he meant, and loaded the holy bullets into his gun. I finished and held the gun up to him, butt out. He switched his other pistol to his left hand, grabbed the gun with his withered right, and fired once more out the shooting hole. I went to work, reloading the pistol. The pounding was coming from everywhere. Dust was falling from the ceiling, and I heard a crack of wood from somewhere. We were about to be overrun. The preacher man turned to where the sound had come from and ran over to the back of the schoolhouse. As he got close, I heard another crack, and I saw the dark outside through one of the bolted windows. He pushed on the bolt, trying to keep the shutter from cracking, but the pounding got worse and the shutter cracked open. It fired through the crack. The shrieks got louder, but the hammering on the shutter got faster, and it began to splinter. He put his pistol to the crack, pulled the trigger, but clicked on an empty chamber. I raised the pistol I'd been reloading, meaning to fire, but behind me I heard another crack, a loud one, and I turned to see a window on the other side give way and the black beasts pouring through it. I fired, emptying the pistol. I believe I screamed the whole time. Two of the creatures exploded with the shots and another took a bullet but didn't die. But there were more piling through the window. I opened the cylinder, shakily tried to reload the bullets, but I was dropping two for every one I managed to slide in. One of the creatures flew toward me. I tried to force the cylinder shut, but it wouldn't close. I looked into its black, skinless face, the teeth, the black emptiness beyond, and I knew then I was about to know Jesus. Then I heard a crash of rifle fire, and the thing exploded in front of me, covering me in black filth. I realized that Miss Foster had fired the killing shot, and she fired again, destroying another. I took the moment, reloaded the bullet, the one that refused to slide all the way in. I clicked the cylinder back into place. Preacher, I yelled. He turned to me, and I threw the gun toward him. With his left hand still pushing on the disintegrating shutter, he dropped the gun in his right and snapped the gun I threw him out of the air and fired through the cracked shutter. The shrieks grew louder with the death of one of theirs. The preacher man kicked the empty pistol on the floor. It slid over to me, and I reloaded it. The schoolhouse was being overrun, the creatures pouring through the window behind me, 
Miss Foster fired the rifle, killing another, and then clicked on empty. One of the creatures leaped toward her. I shot and knocked it out of the air before it landed on her. A creature grabbed one of the little ones, Wendy, and began yanking her out of the circle. The others grabbed hold of her dress, her feet, trying to drag her back. I looked to the preacher man. The shutter was being pushed open, and he was being forced to the ground as the creatures came through. But even through the shrieking and the pounding and the crying, I swear, I could hear his prayer. Please, Lord, not the children. Take me, I know I deserve it, all the fires of hell and more. But please, spare the children. Let me save them. And then something happened. It was as if everything stopped. Light shone through the windows, the cracks. The brightness was everywhere. It was like it says in the Bible, a miracle starting to happen. And I knew if it was a miracle, I had to do my part. Preacher, I yelled, and I threw the gun. My aim was not true. I would swear to that on the Bible. And yet the pistol arced through the air, changing course to land right in the preacher man's hand. As he grabbed it, I could swear that his hand, scarred and white, glowed with fire inside it. He began to fire. Now, that pistol held six shots, and I had packed them myself. I had also fired it since loading it at least once, and maybe more. I lost count in all the excitement. So there should have been five shots at most. But every time that preacher man pulled the trigger, a bullet came out, and every bullet that fired found its mark, destroying one of the creatures. It was like the story in the Bible about the loaves and the fishes and how there was enough for everyone. In the schoolhouse, on that day, there were enough bullets for all the shriekers. By the time the preacher man's finger finally clicked on an empty barrel, the creatures were all dead. The room was covered in black gore. The little ones were crying, but they were all alive, two or one. Katie and Miss Foster hugged them tight in the circle, telling them it was all right. God had spared them. The preacher man's horse even seemed to calm herself, assured the worst had passed. I went over to where the preacher man leaned against the wall, breathing heavy. Are you all right, sir? Uh, Your Honor, I realized I wasn't sure how one was supposed to properly address a preacher man. He looked up at me. That was the first time I prayed and meant it. I was confused. Sir? He exhaled, drew another breath. I've prayed many times, but there was always doubt, lingering or great, that nobody was listening. Today was the first time I prayed, 
and meant it heard. He looked out the broken window to the sky, which was now blue and sunny, and it was a miracle, he said. It took a long time to clean the schoolhouse, to get all that black filth off everything. We was still finding little bits of it, even up to the day I graduated. A good thing, though. It was the only proof we had of what happened that day. My dad believed me, but my ma always said that we were telling stories for attention. Whenever she called me for a liar, though, I'd bring her home another bit of the gore just for her. She wouldn't touch it, telling me to burn it and crossing herself. Katie saw me different after that day. Till then, she'd always seed me as just a boy she'd grown up with who wasn't any kind of special. But later on, she told me that was the first time that she'd seen that I was brave, like in the stories. Also, she kissed me more times after. The preacher man stayed in town for a little while to heal from his wounds. It was during that time that we learned that his name was Enoch, though I never could find out if it were his first or last. I think Miss Foster had gotten kind of sweet on him, because she was always visiting him at his bed at the docks, bringing him food and such. There was some talk in town of them maybe getting married, but I guess it was just talk. Because when the preacher man got well, he did a little sermon for the town before heading out on his way. I was there to say goodbye, and after he'd said his words to the other folk, he stood in front of me, blocking out the sun. I felt like I'd grown up a fair bit since that day but he was still twice to my size. I owe you twice over, I think, he said. Twice? Yeah, once for helping me into the schoolhouse. I don't think I could have accomplished that on my own. Twice for being my second during the fight, loading the guns and killing the abominations. Oh, well... That first one was just doing what Miss Foster asked me, and that second was on account I didn't want to die. The preacher man didn't smile exactly, but his mouth made a sort of upturn. Fair, then. You're a fine young man, Micah. I hope it's God's will we meet again. He shook my hand in his, and his hand felt rough. With all the scars, he took to his horse and looked down at me. Was it true what you said about it being a miracle? I asked. That time he smiled. Was for me, <laughs> he said, and rode away. He said it so certain. I wondered if I might ever know a miracle again if I were to see it. Yesterday, when Katie gave birth to our firstborn son, Enoch, I realized that I would. The End. <laughs> ¶¶
Thanks for stopping by, folks. You can reach me at the Book of John Podcast at gmail.com or you can go to the Book of John Podcast.com and click to all my social medias. And if one of you wants to start a GoFundMe to pay off all my many legal bills, I'd be appreciative. See you next time. <laughs>